Welcome to Greenways, a podcast sharing stories and equipping real-world Jesus followers to see the kingdom of God break into the vocational space where they lead. And welcome to Greenways podcast. This is... What is it, Johnny? Episode four? I can't believe it, Gareth. Episode four. Absolutely incredible. Welcome. It's great to have you with us today for about half an hour or so. Um, so a little update on where we are with Naomi Campbell. Mm-hmm. What's your plan A? How are we going to get her on the podcast? Well, this is the question. This is the, for those of you who don't know, Johnny Campbell is married to Naomi Campbell, but there is also another slightly more famous Naomi Campbell. Who so. We are hoping to try and get on the podcast. Is that right? Is that, the, is that the plan? That's the plan, yeah. So, so um, I, I can confirm that I have sent, said Naomi Campbell, a Facebook friend request. Well, let's see what happens next. I have followed her on Twitter and on Facebook as well. I do notice that there isn't any capacity to send direct messages. I was going to try and slide into her DMs on Twitter, but... It's, there's not an option to do so. Well, I, what I'm going to do is now start posting about Greenway's podcast and tagging her in the post. There's an idea. And we'll see what happens here, okay? Okay, great. Um, the, the other thing, um, there's nothing spectacular to report on the running front. We haven't, mm. uh, we, we've shied away from the half marathon space for the past few weeks. We need to get back into that. We'll come back stronger. For sure. But what I have noticed since interviewing Ali Hart is the amount of incredible artwork we have <laughs> decorating East Belfast. And there's actually an Instagram account uh, sort of glorifying some of the there, best there artwork there, in there Belfast. What do, you, what do you see on there, Gareth? So when you run through Belfast, you might be blessed to see um, things like Michelle O'Neill irons her clothes with a brick and wears Britney Spears perfume. You might be lucky enough to see the NI roadmap out of lockdown sells Avon. Mm-hmm. You might even get to see Boris Johnson combs his hair with a balloon. Most of these are spelt incorrectly, which I just think adds to our Northern Ireland charm. It does. Dogs must be kept on roller skates at all times in this area. I would love to see that. And here's one that is both topical and informative at our stage in COVID. Um, Wear a mask or the Easter Bunny is next. (laughs) Poor Easter Bunny. So (laughs) we should explain that this is from an account on Instagram called what, the Graffiti of Northern Ireland? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. So you Um, should uh, definitely get on there and search for that. And what we'd like to suggest as well is that if you do happen to run past any... um, Excellent graffiti. Yeah, maybe non-offensive graffiti because there's a fair bit of that out there too. Yeah. Um, non-offensive, non-sectarian graffiti in Northern Ireland, anywhere really. Just send, send us that on social media. because That'd be great, yeah. That'd be great, thank you. Uh, that would be very edifying mm-hmm. or something. I, I remember actually seeing a mattress fly-tipped on the Woodstock Road once and somebody had graffitied nothing really mattress on the wall <laughs> beside it by the, by the morning after. People are very witty here. There you go. So the bar's pretty low for you to send in. <laughs> Um, Johnny, what are we doing today? Well, we're going to talk about education Ooh. and um, yeah, shaping the minds and hearts of the next generation. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question. First of all, why is it that every September in church we commission and pray for and honour publicly all of our volunteers in church, our children's ministry leaders, um, volunteers for all kinds of youth ministry, but we don't do that for teachers? I know, funny, I, I was thinking this as well, and I've been really, really challenged about this. Not not just that we should, it's not that we shouldn't be praying for our in-church leaders, mm-hmm. but how much more we should be praying for 
teachers who are working with kids in schools, but not just teachers, people who are working in every vocation. As churches, we should be praying for these guys so often, so regularly, as they, as we, as we say in Greenway's podcast, seek to see God's kingdom come in the vocational space where they lead. Yeah, they need to be commissioned as well. And I suppose um, with the exception of home, there's there's nowhere that children are being more influenced and shaped in a school environment. Well, that's it. My three kids, I trust them into the hands of some amazing teachers every week. Um, after doing homeschooling for several months, I'm delighted to trust them to those teachers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. So that educational space is massively influential and we want to explore today a little bit about as Christians working in that space, what are the opportunities, what are the challenges uh, and how does kingdom come in that environment? Um, So listen, today we have a a really good friend of ours, uh, a lady called Mandy, who is a Jesus follower, who is a primary school principal and... um, yeah, Johnny and I have known Mandy for, for mm-hmm. well, me for three years, you for a lot longer. Yeah, uh, Mandy's part of our, our church here in Orangefield. And she's going to come on in a few minutes and share a little bit about her life, her leadership journey and the opportunities and challenges that God gives her in the contested space that is education and culture today. So we'll be back in a second with Mandy. So we're here with Mandy. You are so welcome on Greenway's podcast. It's great to have you along. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Fantastic. Um, Mandy, just to let the listeners get to know you a little bit and to let you settle into a bit of chat and conversation, we want to ask you some questions. Okay. Some yes, no questions. So you can only give a one word answer. Scary. Johnny, kick us off. Okay. Uh, Let's start with coffee after 7pm. Yes. Socks in bed. No. Good. Good. Indian takeaways. Yes. Have you ever eaten sweets that you have confiscated from a child in school? Absolutely. Nice. (laughs) Irish league football. Uh, Yes. Peter Weir. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Like um, (laughs) big. Jesus anthems in assembly. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And then finally, have you ever been surfing? Badly, yes. Excellent. This is good. It's a lot of yeses. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Probably our most positive, positive experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With a guest yet so far, so good. It's great. <laughs> Maybe I just lie. <laughs> Mandy, we'd love you to share a little bit of your own story and when you wanted to, when, when you knew that you wanted to become a teacher. Okay. I would love to say, you know, I was the two-year-old with a blackboard who decided that <laughs> from a young age I would teach my family um, and that my whole family had been teachers and, and whatever, but that is so far from the truth. Um, I was in post-primary school, um, secondary school. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And the one thing I was actually any good at was PE. Um, I was not a shining light in academia at What was all. your sport? What did you play? Um, hockey and athletics. Okay, okay. And still hold records from the school in athletics, which <laughs> nice. I'm very, very proud of, I nice. have to say. So I was... In, in, in running? In running. And now, actually, high what, jump. What distance in running? I was 200 metre runner. How's your 200 metre running, Johnny? Um, it's not good. 
That's probably the length from your front door to the Indian takeaway back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's quicker in the way back. I'm quick. That's it. That's it. You won't Sorry. It Sorry, keep going. So uh, PE was my thing. I was games captain, all that type of stuff. And I had a teacher who kind of took me under her wing. Um, a very good teacher, still a very good friend of mine, and asked me, did I want to get involved coaching young children? Mm. And I'd always worked with young kids and I enjoyed it. So did a lot of coaching with hockey, a lot of coaching with athletics. Didn't know what else I wanted to do with my life. So I thought, yeah, I'd quite like to do this. Um, put mm. in an application for Stramalis and that's sort of where it came from. Sweet. Very good. Um, and so, so you, you graduated from Melissa, so you worked as a teacher for a while in a primary school? Yep. And then you went on to become a principal. Very exciting. What are the main differences? This is probably a really stupid question, but humor us. What are the main differences between being a teacher and a principal and why did you want to take that step? Well, the big difference is I have an office that has my own coffee maker, so that that's Excellent. a real big issue for there me. There you go. Um, I I never had a big desire to take the step. I, I never went into teaching to be in any form of senior management. I got a couple of very quick promotions in PE, um, and then a few mates we decided we would do our masters because, to be honest, it was good crack. The social life was good, so we all took off to Jordanstown, did our masters, and it just seemed to be that when you did that, you applied for a job. So I applied for a VP post, mm -hmm. actually in the school I went to as a pupil, um, just to see what the interview was like. Got the post, went in there and, well, just for a few, a few reasons, decided, well, maybe like a move. Applied for a principal post and got it, the first principal mm -hmm. post I had applied for. Nobody was more shocked than me and nobody had ever seen them seen me in that position, um, including myself. Mm. So I then have moved to couple of other schools since that um the main difference is i suppose at initially i struggled with the fact i didn't have as much contact with the children because mm -hmm. that's that's very much me it's got to be a massive um, thing yeah a massive thing i'm not an admin person i don't enjoy that side of my job but obviously i have to do it um but i miss the daily contact with children um but I'm not in a position where I just make that happen. I'm in classes every day. I do lunch duty with the children. Mm. So I still get that that link with them. And I tend to like to work with the bad boys, as they're called. <laughs> um, so I still, I, I, I'm still not surprised by that. that at all, yeah. actually. Yeah. That's yeah. Here. <laughs> them and I sort of gel. Um, yeah, we do have that understanding. So I still get to do that. I think probably the main difference is I can make changes, strategic changes mm. that make a difference to people. Um, mm -hmm. And at times that's a huge responsibility. Um, I'm very well aware that decisions I make, should it be, I mean, I have a budget of about a million and a half. Um, should it be financial decisions? Should it be practical decisions? That changes people and mm -hmm. changes people's lives and sometimes makes them struggle with decisions I have to bring in. Um, so I'm not a detailed person. I'm very much the big picture, mm -hmm. the strategic picture. I have other people in school who are very good at detail. So I suppose I'm in a very privileged position that I can make those decisions that can make a difference to people. Should it be appointing staff? Should it be we're going to get involved in this project? Or should it be just something specific to the children that can, can change the way things turn out? So I think that's those are probably the main differences. And I think there's fortune against in both. Um, but I enjoy what I do. It's not the easiest, but I enjoy what I do. No, that's really cool. Um, and definitely that sense of professionalism, that sense of influence that you have. And I guess where we want to tease out a little bit in the podcast is the fact that you're a Christian as well and that dynamic coming into the, 
how you lead and how you love in the school environment. So, yeah, that, that's it's really interesting. I somebody said to me once that reluctant leaders are often the best because you know they're not um, doing it for power profile. Mm. Just uh, they understand the gravity of the decisions they make. Um, I wanted to talk to you about faith and assemblies, Mandy, <laughs> just because um, I had this experience growing up where in primary school assemblies were phenomenal and uh, it was something to really look forward to. Um, and then when I when I moved on um, to grammar school, there was a religious element to assemblies, but it was totally lifeless and really painful and very moralizing. Like every message was essentially be good. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> And yeah, I just, I remember I was over at a Christian camp then in Canada a few years ago and their motto for the whole camp was, it's a sin to bore a child with the gospel. Yeah. And the first thing I thought of was all of, yeah, all of those assemblies <laughs> that I sat yeah. through. So I just, I don't know, I just wanted to ask you, like, well, how do you feel about sort of faith and assembly, faith in school and maybe what's like some of the best or worst experiences you've had of assembly? Okay. Um, I think... I think it's a huge opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. In schools, obviously, we have to be very careful. Um, you would have parents who would be very much watching to see what's done. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have to be very conscious of the fact that in in most schools now, we have children from all different faiths. Mm-hmm. So I would have Muslim children, um, Roman Catholic children, Jewish children, just people who have th- some differences to their beliefs than I have. Um, I like assemblies because I like to talk to children. I would rather mm. talk to children than talk to adults. So I would do an assembly like I would do a talk in church. Um, very interactive. Mm-hmm. A master class, usually. A master there class. You go. That's it. No, That's you're being it. very from, kind. From my memory. No, you're being very kind. But, you know... We will let you know the next time Mandy's talking in Orangefield <laughs> and you can come along. Yeah, it's a special experience. But, um, you know, children, children don't give you the pat answer. Um, you ask a question, children will just say it as it is. And mm. I love that because you have to think on your feet. Um, you have to be very quick and you have to take what you get. They won't say what you want mm-hmm. to hear. They won't give you the pat answer. Apart from the child that will answer Jesus to everything that you say. So, um, yeah, that's Gareth. Still? So, still? <laughs> yeah, I could quite believe that. But, you know, I, I like them to be fun. I like them to be very interactive. I would also always use children mm-hmm. uh, and bring them up and get them involved maybe take a hand out of a few members of staff so they're fun um mm-hmm. since i've gone into my school we've now not done uh, we don't sing give me oil in my lamp keep it burning okay. uh, which we did for quite a number of years and we're now using a lot of stuff off the internet you know the children are all you mm. come in now they're jumping they're they're laughing they're yeah. screaming they're dancing it's all that sort of stuff um and the impression is this is fun Um, And the kids want to be there because it is fun. Um, We still, I can understand the moral bit from a certain (laughs) extent because any of my um, staff who would not have a a Christian faith, they they would go down the moral line for assemblies. They'll Mm. still take them, but that's that's Mm. the way they'll go. And that's fine. I Mm -hmm. I respect that. Um, Mm. And I do think children need to be taught right and wrong. But we would still have a very strong message or, or a Bible story with an ending of, of a very strong message. And I love it when kids stop me in the playground and say, Miss, do you still have that picture? Or Miss, why was there no money left in your pocket? Or just just yeah. different wee things that we've done. Um, from experience, um, the best assemblies, oh my <laughs> goodness, that, that's a scary one, is probably where you do something they just don't expect. And children at primary school are still very naive. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And if you do, you know, you do the classic with the Easter egg with nothing in it, mm. and I build it up and the drum rolls and the whole thing. And this kid who is just so excited to catch this Easter egg, and I do the whole thing, and there's nothing in it. Mm. And the kids talk about that for days and days and days, and it's it's drumming it all up. It's not that there was anything particularly brilliant in what I did. It's drumming it all up, and mm-hmm. the kids are all with you. Um, the worst I have, I have been there where we brought people in mm. to school and because I do think that's important, the children get variety and we would invite local churches and things. Scripture Union do a great job in with us as well. But we have had the odd play, person who mm. I am nearly asleep um, okay. and it's hard going or maybe their message is a wee bit strong and I have children upset by it. Um, so we have had some difficulties yeah. over that. I, I have a story for you. Okay, just, go as for a it. principal, go I'm dying to know it. how you'd react. True story, friend of mine was a youth worker in a church in North Belfast, I'm not going to say where, was in doing an assembly and it was his first time in the school doing an assembly and he brought in a glass bowl with water and a live goldfish and during the assembly he swallowed the goldfish. (laughs) On purpose? Yep. Put it in his spot. Now I have no idea where the Jesus link was. But mm. he's, now, there's no happy ending. It didn't come back out in one piece. High in protein, low in saturated fats. There, there you go, exactly. So teachers would have a field day with that. Um, th- th- there was a certain conversation between boards of governors and the church afterwards. You would never <laughs> forget that as a child. You oh, would never well, forget that. Well, I would have people who would phone me and tell me that um, you know, they'd have animal cruelty up. I would mm. have people like that. All the vegans and the veggies will go ballistic. Um I have to say I would find it quite funny, but then that's me, <laughs> you know. Here, let me ask you one last question in this section. On your day off or at the end of a, a crazy, crazy week, what is your takeaway of choice? Oh, it has to be an Indian with a really good Peshwari naan. Mm. Nice, nice, nice. We'll be back in a second with more from Mandy. <laughs> Welcome back to the Greenways Cockpit. I'm here with Captain Gareth McLean and uh, we're going to ask Mandy some more questions about maybe dig a little bit deeper here into um, yeah, faith and education and leadership. Mandy, tell me, um, what, what do you believe God's heart or, or, or dream is for the young people who arrive in your school in P1? I think most importantly is that God loves them. God loves them and he knows them all individually and that very much fits in with the ethos of my school. Um, Mm. Each child is an individual, each child is cared for and each child is loved. But I think God wants what's best for them and I think we are finding more and more in schools now that children come to us not always knowing who God is, um, not knowing the stories that I was brought up in, Mm -hmm. um, the stories that I would assume that people would know. They don't know the Bible stories. Um, I think God wants them to know him through those and that is obviously still part of the the Northern Ireland primary curriculum so they do learn that but I think God wants what's best for them as well and I think it's it's up to me to make sure that in my school um, the children feel loved, cared for, know who God is, know that God loves them and know that there are choices in life that we can't say to children, you must become a Christian. That is not the role of a school. Yep. But it is the role of a school to educate children about various religions and the fact that they can make choices um, and to show them the way that they can make those choices. And I th- suppose through not mainstream primary classes, but scripture unions and assemblies, 
to offer opportunities to children who choose to, especially in a scripture union, who choose to want to know more. Um, so I think God wants what's best for them. And ultimately, he, he wants them to follow him. So for, for a couple of years, I was working in a different role where I was in a school every day. I probably saw 150 schools a year, did that for a couple of years. And it, it just really struck me that every single school in the country wants every child to reach their academic potential. Yeah. But sometimes I felt like that message was so strong and it, and it was it was so like standalone that I kind of thought to myself, if if I was a Christian in education, um, surely we want to give children a bit more than that than just sort of reach your academic potential. You know, have you ever have you ever felt that tension that you want to give them more than that? Absolutely. And I think I would I mean, I'm known for saying in schools that. I believe my job is to find something in every child that they're good at mm-hmm. and use that to boost their self-esteem, to give them options and whatever. It's about the child as a whole. And, you know, when you ask me the question, what does God want for the children? I didn't mention academic. To me, mm-hmm. academic is as read. The, the children all should be allowed to reach their full potential. It's not about that. And I think any school can do that. It's about nurturing a child. It's about making a child feel safe and secure it is about giving them as many opportunities as you can, mm-hmm. but it's also about making them feel part of a family and feeling loved. And we have a lot of young people who don't get that at home. Yeah. Um. I th- And I think once you get that, once a child feels secure, feels safe, feels that people care, they will naturally flourish. Um. For us, it's about giving any opportunities that you can. And the most bizarre thing, something sometimes a child just latches on to and finds... I'm actually really good at that. I love that. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to you talk, Mandy, and there's an assumption both in the church and in culture that the God story and the story of culture are actually banging into each other and contradicting each other. But actually, there are these moments where they cross over these intersection points between the story of culture and the story God is telling. And and, and one of those stories is that every child matters. One That's of those stories it. is that Every child is created with significance and purpose and to be loved. Um, one of those intersection points is that God has made every child for a purpose. And, and, and you as as a teacher, but especially as a Christian teacher and Christian principal, get to create that culture in the school that allows that to blossom, that truth, that mm. intersection point of God's story um, for children to find, yeah, who they are mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, and like what that. they're good at. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, Okay. Let me let me ask you a question. Um, how does your faith equip you to help the team around you in the school to flourish and lead well? I think it's a very difficult question. Um, I think it is about the first thing is I believe that I'm supposed to be in the job I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. My journey to that job was quite bizarre in that I applied for the job because I needed. To, I knew I hadn't had an interview for quite a long time. Uh, I was working at a school in Belfast um, and I thought, you know, down the line, I'll need to maybe move here. So I applied for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in in that sort of field, you go and you see round and you meet governors and whatever. I didn't go. So um, the interviews were not in the school. They were in the education um, authority. So to cut a long story short, after three stages of interview, I was given a job that I didn't prep for and that I genuinely had never clapped eyes on the school. I didn't even know where it was. So I do, I've always believed that 
that's where I meant to be for whatever reason. Mm, God's, so I God's think, hand was on that. Yeah, 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 so I think that no matter what's going on in school, I always hold on to, I'm supposed to be doing something in here. I am here for a purpose. Um, I think I think it's about leading by example. Now, I'm not perfect. I've, I've made mistakes. I'm well aware of that. And as a Christian, it's difficult because everybody criticises their boss. That's what mm. you do. You know, the boss makes changes. The boss brings in things we don't like. We give the boss a kick in. Um, that, that never happens around church? I'm sure never, never. happens. <laughs> never, ever happens. I've never heard Johnny criticise you. Never. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's that's life. That's life. I've done it. I've been there and done it. But it's it's easy then for people to say, oh, she did that. She said that she's supposed to be a Christian. So sometimes that can make things difficult. But I think for me, it is about compassion. It is mm. about showing people you care. Um, and I'm not always good at that because I tend to keep a, a front in school. Um, but where I have found that, that people actually respect what you're doing is if, if they're in trouble. You know, I've had staff whose parents terminally ill dealing with bereavement, dealing with family breaks, it's getting alongside them and working with them. Um, it's getting alongside them and showing them that you care. It's doing practical things. Mm-hmm. It's when somebody's struggling with their role, not coming down on them like a ton of bricks, but saying, okay, how can I help? Mm-hmm. How can we make this better? Um, am I perfect at it? No, I'm, I'm not. But I think it's, that's kind of what I try to, that, that's my go-to. Um, what can I do to help? Um, I think it's also about recognising who you can actually take and mentor and mm. coach to mm-hmm. to be better um, and recognising the talents people have. And I do believe that, I mean, that's something I would be very into. You know, I have quite a few teachers who, when I went, they were main skill teaching. They're now my senior teachers and they're doing a fabulous job. But I think for me, it's always... It can be difficult. You make difficult decisions. You make different, mo- difficult moral decisions sometimes. But I think for me, where my faith comes in is is that moral compass, um, and making those decisions on a is this in the interests of the children in my school? Is this the best thing to do? And b is this what I should be doing as a Christian? Mm. Um, and sometimes those are difficult, and you do have to to take a step back and look at it. But it, I think. People know I'm not going to do anything that is immoral. I'm not going to do anything mm-hmm. that um, is really against my my Christian principles. So they have a certain amount of trust in me. They'll still complain, quite rightly. Why wouldn't they? But <laughs> I, 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 so I think that's sort of my guiding light at the yeah, end. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds very spiritual, which isn't me at all, but that, that's that's kind of the way I am. I think you're more spiritual than you think. No, you're. I'm not. No, um, I'm not. It's interesting listening to. Johnny and Alpha and us in, in church, we would talk a lot about creating culture. Yeah. Um, and as you're talking there, you're talking about creating a culture of compassion, a culture of integrity, um, just an open door policy, um, you know, modeling it in your own life and your own walk and your own leadership and, and then creating space for others to, to catch that. And stuff. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. That's really cool. But that does mean I'm perfect at it. Didn't say you were? No. Close to perfect. No, not, not, <laughs> not even close, not even close. Um, you, you talked about um, those moments when, when when things maybe feel like they're jarring or there's difficult decisions to make. Um, let, let me throw a more specific question at you. There's so much legislative change 
uh, around gender and identity that we've seen in recent years even impacting on primary schools. What do you believe as as a Christian, as Christian kids, Christian parents, Christian teachers, Christian principal, what, what are the, the challenges and the opportunities in this moment that we're in? I think it's difficult and I think I am very fortunate in that I haven't come across an awful lot of it yet, mm-hmm. um, but that will change, yeah. that will change. And I think as a Christian, society is very focused on your human rights. Children now talk about it is my right um, and that's very much what is said. Um, and as a Christian, it can be, I would say, even even more difficult because you can be seen to be making decisions or making comments that are attributed to the Christian as opposed to the principal. Mm-hmm. Um, because you do have well, people out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there are people out there who are just looking for something that they can jump on. Yeah. Um, I think compassion has to come back into that. Mm-hmm. And I'll keep coming back to that, regardless of what... I mean, I, I had a child a couple of years ago who announced to the class that he's gay, you know. Um, my views on that are irrelevant. He is a child who deserves the respect that I would give any other child and deserves the love and compassion mm-hmm. that, that we can give him. Um, we're dealing with, um, well, I'm not personally dealing with it at the minute, but, you know, we're, we're dealing with children who are... Um, product of a same-sex marriage you know they come in for parent-teacher interviews with two mommies or two daddies that's that child's family unit mm-hmm. that has to be respected mm-hmm. children who um gender identity issues children who are talking about even siblings or relatives who are transitioning and want to to have that discussion and i think for us it's a, looking at what is appropriate language at that age and what is appropriate to discuss at that age mm-hmm. um because some things aren't some things aren't. Um, that doesn't mean that we're saying what that child's doing or saying is wrong. It just means that the understanding of his his peers is just not at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's very much a balancing act. And I think it's about being inclusive, not being judgmental, but still sticking to your principles and still having your values. And, you know, um, controlled schools, which mine is, is one, the, the state school as such, mm-hmm. um, work on... Christian principles and schools ethos will always say a Christian ethos, but tolerance and love and respect is part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus modeled that absolutely, massively, yeah, absolutely. But I think for principles as well, what can actually be more difficult is that some of your teachers will have maybe very strong principles that they don't feel that as accepting as I might mm-hmm. be, or you've parents. And obviously I have a wide gamut of parents with all different views, some who would be very, very staunch Christian in that maybe Bible belt, really, no tolerance of anything. Others who are atheist. And you're trying to to play the middle ground. Um, And I think it's about not keeping person X or person Y happy. It's about saying this is as a school, Mm -hmm. what our line is. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is part of the society. Here's what we find acceptable and here's what's not. But I also think it's about coming alongside people and actually having those discussions. Not rules and regulations, but person to person um, communication and just building relationships. But I do think it's a minefield. And I think with some people, they're just goading people like, like me yeah. to do something that, mm-hmm. that they're, they're going to push. Where, to the, where I, I'll come to the point where I say, no, I can't do that. And 
principals are now very conscious that within five minutes I can be on Twitter. This principal said, mm-hmm. you know, so there is that fear of social media. Um, I'm a big user of social media, but that is used. That is definitely used against principals. And it will be the Christian principal said um, uh, or the Christian teacher has said. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not easy. It is a minefield. I, I, I love what you're saying. I'm totally in, agree with you uh, in terms of it's about creating that culture. Um, we've already talked about and then it's about getting alongside people and treating them as people and, and loving them as people. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's messy at times and it's not straightforward. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're praying for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And if somebody chooses to um, misquote you or mischaracterize you or attack you or weaponize Twitter against you, there's really not a lot. You know, there's there's only a certain amount you can do Yeah. to, to prevent that from happening. Um Second question we were we were going to ask is just uh, really around d- division in society. And obviously, like, I went to school in East Belfast and arrived at Queen's and discovered that people wore a different colour of a uh, GAA top or... Um, or a GAA top at all. A GAA top <laughs> at all. And, um, yeah, so so strange. And then, obviously, like, joined a team in England where this just wasn't a thing. Um, but it, in, a, in a society that has traditionally been divided do you think that education will play a part in rewriting the future and dealing dealing with some of that yeah um well my background's very different um because i grew up in north belfast so i did know mm-hmm. the difference between red <laughs> white and blue and green white and gold um yes to a certain extent um i've been very privileged to work in different schools in different areas um and i think schools have always be part of the old EMU programme as it was when I came out of college and um, mutual understanding, um, the whole Catholic-Protestant divide. And I think teachers and principals have put a huge amount of work into that. I have various degrees of success, I would say. Um, I mean, the school I worked in 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 North Belfast, um, we had very, very good relationships between the two schools and between w- between children and, and staff. And very often there would have been mixed events where the children got on fabulously. There really was no them and us. Mm-hmm. But I saw with my own eyes at the end of the day where children were organising to meet up in each other's homes and we had to step in and say no because the community wouldn't have allowed that and these children could actually have been in physical danger. Um, so... The schools were doing a fabulous job, mm-hmm. but that area and the, the sectarianism was entrenched in that area. Uh, one of those schools became very famous eventually um, because of a, of a political thing. Whereas in the school that I work in now, it's a different area. It would be a much more affluent area. The children in my school would be very mixed anyway, but we have an excellent relationship with the local Catholic maintained school. A lot of the children from both schools play in the local football team. They do go in each other's houses. They live in mixed streets. Um, they go to the Cubs, they, sc- they go to the Cub and the Scouts and they're going to events in school. And they don't see a difference. Um, mm-hmm. There is no big issue. <clears throat> so they are allowed to, in their own community mix, in schools they mix. And I'm not sure a lot of those children would actually know the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant. Mm -hmm. So I think education can do its bit. Mm -hmm. But it is frustrating that at times that is inhibited by 
the wider community and just what is out there. Um, I've worked in two schools which were both in quite loyalist areas um, and that was very much entrenched. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I think schools can definitely play a role within that, but we need government yeah. to get alongside each other. We need churches. We need community leaders. We, we need businesses. We, we need everyone leading into this, praying into this, mm -hmm. stepping towards each other and, and finding a way forward because we absolutely don't want to go backwards. Yeah. Um, Mandy, we love you uh, and thank you so much for coming on today. Can we pray just for a moment for teachers? Um, let's take a moment and pray. Father, we want to thank you for uh, men and women who feel that call from you um, to give their lives to the raising up and to the education and to the shaping of the next generation. Uh, we, we, we thank you for those coming out of college. We thank you for those who are in schools and we thank you for those who are nearing retirement who have already given their lives to investing in young people and helping raise them up and help them to flourish. God, this past year has been really difficult, so we want to um, speak replenishment over our teachers we pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill them and refresh them and energize them at a time when they are tired and weary. We pray for the, the spiritual gift of discernment for our Christian teachers, Lord, especially um, as they welcome children back in after Easter and after sort of COVID lockdowns that they'll be able to recognise which kids are struggling with mental health, which kids are struggling educationally, which kids are struggling relationally, and we'll be able to get them the help that they need. And we pray, Lord, for a renewed gifting of creativity on all our teachers, that education will be fun and it will be engaging. And Father, even maybe without using words, it will reflect the very best of you, a creating God, into the classroom and into the lives of young people, helping them to flourish and to become the men and women that you have designed them to be. We thank you for Mandy. Bless her, Lord, as she goes into the weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that was really fun to speak to Mandy White. Possibly, um, in my mind, the best communicator of a children's address you'll ever come across in, oh, in, in, in any church anywhere. She's world class. Um, but that was really fun to uh, ask her some questions and kind of grill her on faith and education. I think um, the thing that stood out most for me, Gareth, were, well, two things, what she said about compassion and mm. what she said about integrity. Because let, let's face it, they're, they're endangered, aren't they? Absolutely. We live in a culture where people are addicted to getting, offen getting offended. Um, and if they don't tell you to their face, they'll post it on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I love that idea of as, as a Christian in that contested space of edu where education is, that's so difficult um, to, to, to walk that tightrope, that creating a culture of compassion and, and leading with compassion. I, I can't help but think that's exactly what Jesus would do. Yeah. And, and and if you live a life of integrity over over a period of time, I mean, surely in a staff room and among a team and in front of parents and pupils, that is going to be observed and admired 
yeah. regardless of uh, yeah, yeah, it's more than what you say and and what you do. It's it's everything. I think over time they will come and ask you about Jesus. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Um, what a treat having Mandy on today, guys. Um, I maybe I'm biased. Uh, I, I'm Mandy's minister. She's can I say this? Can I say she's one of my favorite Orangefield people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've just did. There we go. You're um, like my favorites. Uh, Greenways listeners, we will see you all in two weeks. Not see you, we'll speak to you all in two weeks and have fun. Take care, stay safe. Bye-bye.